I think what's happening now with filmmakers like Guillermo del Toro and, you know, Singer and Nolan and, you know, Sam Raimi and... Proyas. Proyas, to a lesser extent, you know, myself, is we, we were all, we all grew up actually being weaned on these comic books. We loved them. Um, we sort of, you know, ate, breathed and slept them. Right. And again, we weren't looking down at the material. And I think it took that generation of filmmakers to come of age in order to really treat them seriously for the studios to get it. Like a generational thing. Exactly. Do you think um, the special effects coming of age also has en enabled more adaptations? Because they, they yeah. just simply weren't there, there things, 20 years there ago. There are things that are possible now right. that, that they simply couldn't do. It would have made for a $300 million movie or something right. like that. Like Spider-Man swinging through the canyons, there's no way it could I don't, yeah, how would they have done that in the 70s or the 80s? Right. It would have looked like those TV movies that they did. Right. Where does Prince of Darkness come from? Prince of Darkness, um, well, originally... You're a nice guy. I am a nice guy. You love children and pets. Bunny rabbits and sunsets and long walks on the beach. Uh, I, uh, a, a high school teacher dubbed me that, and somehow... I was doing some interview with Premier Magazine, and that stuck, and then they did an article, and then in the lame way that other, you know, Things articles stick. in magazine, yeah, they're just suddenly he's the Prince of Darkness, so. And now, did you get tatted up as a response to the name? No, 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 no. Trying I, to live up to it, or no, what's the story behind those? I got my first tattoo uh, the week after I sold my first script when I was 22 years old, sort of in defiance. Back then, tattoos weren't as prevalent, and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, going to be a rebel and never commit to a real job. Right. Funny anecdote, though. I, I thought I would be all writerly and get a, a saying tattooed on my bicep from a poem, not drowning, but waving. And the tattoo artist misspelled the word drowning. So my <laughs> tattoo says not drowing, but waving. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a professional writer with a spelling error tattooed <laughs> on my body. That's pretty ironic. Yeah. What attracts you to dark material over things that might be more like fantastical or escapist or a little lighter? I mean, I like seeing lighter fare, uh, but clearly the kind of themes that I'm attracted to, I mean, every movie I've ever done with the exception of Batman Begins has been R-rated. Mm -hmm. And Batman Begins is certainly, I think, about as dark a PG-13 film as you could get. Mm -hmm. And certainly people were surprised at how dark it was. And I mean, I'm really interested in anti-heroes. I'm really interested in characters that are conflicted. I'm interested in characters that have to sort of go to a dark place and people that are alienated and whatnot, probably because I'm sure there's a little bit of right. my own experience as a kid or something like that in there as well. Does it require a different skill set to make a comic book believable on screen or is it writing is writing? Well, I mean, yeah, I think it is a different skill set. I mean, it depends on whether or not you're adapting Ghost World, mm -hmm. but say you're adapting a superhero comic book. If it's a well-known character, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, there's a canon, there's a, there's a known lore, and you have to be very careful uh, about what you choose to change or not change. And I'd like to think because of my background reading comics and also writing comic books that in the case of Batman, I had a good handle on you know, what was sacred and what could be modified a bit. And I would maintain that some of the comic book movies that have been made that aren't successful other ones that veer too far away from the source material. I mean, Spider-Man, Superman, Batman, the X-Men movies, they stick pretty close to the source material. When you're dealing with a lesser known character like Blade, you've got more latitude. There aren't a lot of people out there that are you know, specifically aware 
of Blade's sure. origin. Was that uh, prevalent in your mind, your, your mind and Chris Nolan's mind? The fans had a, making sure you were reverent enough, but not so reverent that we've all seen it before. Like, was that a big consideration into the drafting yeah, of the story? Yeah, we had to walk this thin line between delivering something for the fans, which obviously are the core audience, but they're not going to be enough to make a movie of that budget successful in and of its own right, and 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 sort of the broader mass audience. And the, the problem was the core fans. You know, ever since Frank Miller and Alan Moore and things like that, they were used to a very dark depiction of Batman, The Dark Knight. Right. But the mass audience wasn't used to it. And I mean, even Burden's first Batman film, which I enjoyed, still had a fair amount of whimsy. Sure. And then they got progressively nuttier and yeah. you know, more like Starlight Express by the time they were right. done. And they started to become like the old Batman show. And